Welcome to a very special episode of I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland, and today my guest is actor Mike Coulter, who is best known for playing Luke Cage in the Marvel Netflix series, Luke Cage. Currently, Mike stars as David, an investigator of miracles and demons in season two of the Paramount Plus series, Evil, which is produced by Robert and Michelle King. The reason this is a very special episode is that Mike and I studied theater together as undergrads at the University of South Carolina. Aside from texts and messages on social media, this is the first time we reconnected since then. Also, last before we jump in, I'm proud to share that I'm So Obsessed was nominated for two podcast awards. We're nominated in the categories of TV and film and People's Choice. If you have a minute, you can vote for us between now and the end of July. Go to podcastawards.com. It takes a minute to sign up. And on behalf of Connie and our ISO family, we want to say thank you for listening. Now go vote. So this interview was recorded at the end of June over the internet with Mike in LA and myself in South Carolina. So please forgive any audio weirdness. I'm sure people, I know you talk about this a lot in all the interviews you do, that both you and I went to college together. I know it's something everyone knows about, so okay. it's not going to be a surprise when I mention it on this podcast. No, um, no but we, we went to college together. We were uh, in like acting and voice classes together. We did lots of plays together. Yeah. Um, clearly, the voice classes have had a lasting impact with you more than it has me. <laughs> no, uh, no. <laughs> You're 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 literally using your voice as much, if not more, so than I am. And 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 to be quite honest, voices are kind of like genetics. They just you know you have it or you don't. You know the vo the voice. You know you can maximize your potential, but the instrument is kind of you know, it's kind of what it is. You know? uh, you're known for so many different things. Uh, your physique, the way you look, the way you sound, but also inside, there's still like this like theater geek nerd who wants to be disrespected and have this wide range of characters that he gets to play. Um, college was a long time ago for mm -hmm. both of us. I mean, we're, we're both 32, so it's, you know, been 10 years yeah. at least. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, dude, like when you think back of that time, especially in undergrad, what are some things that flash back for you? What are some of the memories that pop up? Um, you, you know, I got to say, I feel like, I feel like my experience at the University of South Carolina was kind of like the best of uh, both worlds in a lot of ways. I, I felt like I had a great time in undergrad um, but my experience in undergrad was sort of weird because I always felt like it was a great place to sort of create. It was a great place. Everybody, I remember like Melanie Newker. I still remember Amy Dietz and, and, you know, Matt Engel. I remember all these, you know, these, these, these people, the, the Kings, the, you know, the, all these people, the, Allison and Andrea, I remember all these interesting characters, these interesting, um, um, students. It, it was just a wonderful time. Cause I feel like, I feel like all of us are just, you know, we're just playing and having a good time. But but all in all, I felt like our our experience at University of South Carolina was one of it was sort of protected. It was it was it was it was a very innocent time for actors for us because there was nothing at stake per se. I think we're I was still in the mode of like this is just I'm having fun. And there's no pressure. Everything is an opportunity to explore, to try, and to work. And nobody was really cranking us down on craft necessarily it was just go out and try and you know have fun and you know we you and i got a chance to go out to folder and audition that was a blast just to drive oh, to DC. Yeah. We, we drove there and that, that was fun now that felt like a little pressure because it's like holy cow we're gonna go up to like that was a michael khan you know we auditioned for it it's just 
I remember fondly all everything about University of South Carolina was fond for me. I, I don't have anything really negative to say because I just it flew by like that. And I just sort of just look back on it with fondness, everything about it, you know. Uh, God, I'm, I, my, my note was not to be too complimentary because you get too many compliments I've noticed in your other uh, from other people. But I love seeing your success and I, I love seeing where your hard work has gotten you. Um, I absolutely love it when people swoon over you, how sexy you are, how oh suave you are. And yet every now and then, even in something like Luke Cage or uh, something like Evil, I see glimmers of like that that theater nerd, that that like class clowny guy that I went to college with. I'm like, oh, no, he's, he's just pretending to be cool. He just does it so yeah. much better than any of us have been able to and for so much longer. But this is my question. Uh-huh. If you could go back in time and give yourself advice when you were an undergrad, what would you, what would you, what would you tell yourself? I think, I think I took a lot of opportunities or took a lot of risks um, in my youth that I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise. Um, there's, there's just one of those things that you look back on it. I, I really think I'm, I've been really lucky, you know, and some people can say that, you know, there's destiny. I, I really look at it as a bit of luck. Um, Cause I, I don't think I'm special. I don't think, I don't think there's anyone. I know people love to sell the notion that they're special, that they're destined to do something. I don't buy that. I don't buy it at all. I mean, we're all people. We all have um, opportunities. Sometimes we capitalize on them. Sometimes we make the most of them. Sometimes we get more than one opportunity. Sometimes we get no opportunities. And it's just like, it's just not in the cards for us. But there were times when I I, I did, rec- I was recklessly living recklessly. And I think if I could tell myself anything, you know, be careful. It turned out fine. But there are moments where I put myself in, in harm's way in terms of like the company I, I kept because it wasn't like I, I, I myself was a very genuine, good hearted person. Sometimes you put yourselves around people and, and it's just about, you know, especially in South Carolina, there literally is a law about the company you keep and, and sort of how you, <laughs> who you're associated with. And I realized that looking back on it, there are a lot of people I hung around that didn't have um, great futures ahead of them. And I knew that back then. And sometimes you got to cut your cut the cord and, and and focus on yourself a little bit. And I think there were times where I, I, I was reckless and I know that I, I put myself in a position to to sabotage my own self. And that's something that I think people don't when you're young, you don't really you don't really see until it's too late sometimes. So, you know, I'm just happy I, I made it through that. I think the other thing I like is when I see you do press for other things that you don't seem like you're putting on a Mike Coulter personality. Like, And I can't say I know you well because it's been years since we were in school together, but you seem much more like the guy I went to school with than someone pretending to be like a celebrity or be a big shot. Um, yeah. But I want to pivot a little bit. So at the time of recording this, yesterday was a pretty big day for you. Mm-hmm. Um, not only was it the season two premiere of Evil, but it was also Father's Day. And I'm wondering, I know you mentioned you were up in Seattle. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you get to spend uh, Father's Day with your family? And if so, what did your daughters do for you? Well, you know, actually, Father's Day was, I, I spent it up in Seattle doing, doing an event. And I, and I always say, look, Father's Day is almost every day, right? Father's Day is, you know, on Father's Day, you should be able to do whatever you want to do. That means unplugging from the family and enjoying a little me time. That's fine, too. I had a great Father's Day. I came back. Um, I was in, I was back in time to see my daughter um, off to bed and, get, and, and snuggle with her a little bit and, and, and say goodnight. And, and that was great. Uh, I got back. Um, I had uh, I had about 30, uh, two dozen oysters waited on me, which is one of my favorite, you know, oysters waiting on me. So I had a... I had a cold IPA, which, you know, I don't drink a lot of beer now, but when I have oysters, I tend to have a little beer. Um, and just, you know, I, it was a good day. I, I, I had a great day. It's just one of those things where Father's Day, I don't, I'm not into holidays. I'm not into like Hallmark holidays. I mean, if someone has a Hallmark, Hallmark holiday, I tend to avoid them because that's when the amateurs come out. 
try, I try to go, I try to go against the grain a bit when it comes to like those kinds of things. And, 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 you know, the premiere, the premiere is one of those things where it's like, you know, we're in a zoom world now. We don't actually go to a lot of premieres anymore. Um, I'm sure it's going to open back up. People are going out. I went and did a, a guest show. Uh, I went to James, um, um, James Corden, uh recently and i got to go to access hollywood next week and i did i did kelly clarkson during the pandemic too which was sort of interesting not a lot of people are doing um doing still not going back in the studios but it's getting there uh it it, hopefully you know hopefully the show is going to do well i'm really happy about the season i think the season is is different because in actuality we're really telling more stories about the characters and what's going on outside of this quote-unquote case of the week that we're looking at or case of the day and so it's a trick. And I, I love the Kings because they're really smart about how they write and they really understand how to develop characters. And I felt really good signing on to it because I've worked with them before and I'd seen how they told stories before and how they develop characters. So I, I never really concern myself about how they're going to get these characters to the to the end mark or the narrative, how they're going to keep us guessing. Um, it's always a surprise. And I'm so glad you acknowledge like the being on Paramount, uh, Paramount Plus, how that's changed things a little bit because I'm curious about that. But going back to like even right before you even were like officially signed to do the show, what was your reaction when you heard that you might be playing a former journalist who studied to be a Catholic priest? And I, I ask this as someone who was raised Catholic, no longer practicing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing priests who were kind of built like you when I went to church. <laughs> well, I, I never, I never, <laughs> funny, I never, I didn't know anything really about Catholicism in terms of like practicing it. I knew a lot of people who were Catholics. I never knew or never had met a black priest, um, Catholic priest. <clears throat> that in itself was intriguing because I'm always looking for something that's like uh, trendsetting and sort of different. When I was younger and going to South Carolina, when I when I when I imagined, fantasized, thought about what I wanted to do as far in terms of acting, I never thought about you know acting in things that were basically um, sort of. I guess, reflective of the real world so much. I wasn't always thinking in terms of like, you know, the, the experiences of myself as a black man or black boy in South Carolina in terms of, I was always thinking outside of a larger, I was looking at a larger um, larger world, a larger canvas. And, and luckily I have been able to sort of fall into a, a slot where I've been able to find things that aren't predictable and 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 in doing so keeps me keeps me guessing as to what I'm going to see when I open up the script. It keeps me in, challenged in terms of how to convey this character's journey is in his and 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 their and their thought process and things of that nature and their experience. So when I thought when I thought about this when it became I was like priests, Catholic, um, exorcisms. Um, it just made sense to me. I was looking for something so different from from Luke Cage at the time that it was like this is right up my alley. But when you try to explain what this show is, you can't explain it <laughs> one word or sorry or, or, or one sentence. Therefore, you lose people. The title doesn't do us any favors. But I, I honestly couldn't think of anything else to call it. It's not like I go, oh, you guys messed up the title. There's got to be some of the title you can. I don't know what else to call it. But yet, despite all of that, the, there's something about the story. There's something about the characters that when people watch it, they tend to get excited, and ultimately, it creates conversations and debates that will allow people to have water cooler conversations and conversations that carry on on Twitter and Instagram, and that's great. And so, however, we get audience members to come and tune tune in, I'm happy with. I'm going to pitch you a new title. How about the Exorcism Files? You could play off like Exorcism Files. That as what you're like, get out of here. Uh, no, no. no. Um, Actually, we had joked about doing another podcast called I'm So Possessed, where we talk to people who think they're 
<laughs> they're possessed and we try to conduct an exorcism. Well, I'm wondering too, as you prep for the role, I'm sure like you looked into exorcisms and it's actually shocking that there's, it's actually still a thing. And uh, I think the key word is think people think they're possessed, but uh-huh. there are definitely people who will take that money and uh, conduct an exorcism. Have you seen any exorcisms? Have you met anyone who conducts them or one who, someone who's been through an exorcism? Well, we actually have a, a technical advisor on this on the set that does them in real life or, or is a priest and and you know he's a little a little little short um small italian guy i believe and he and he's you know he dressed you know in the garb and he's there watching and giving advice about how we do things um so that we have a person that does it in real life i try not to dig too deep because there are certain things that i'm i'm looking to create a priest that is interesting and 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 complex and relatable and so when i look at the real the real functionality of what they do it's not it's too it's too rigid it doesn't allow for enough flexibility there are things that i'm doing that he he never agrees with he's like you're you're playing dangerous games you're doing this and i go yeah i know it makes good tv this makes good drama like yeah it's a tv show not a documentary Well, I want to ask you actually another evil question, another question about evil, um, the cast. It is phenomenal, including you. Um, but yeah, we have uh, Katja Herbers, Asif Manvi, Michael Emerson, among so many other people. But I specifically want to talk about Katja because uh, it, you guys on screen seem like you have this wonderful chemistry. And I ask a lot of actors about this, but where does that chemistry come from or does it just happen? Um, we got, we got lucky. We got lucky. We really like each other a lot. We have, we have a great relationship, great friendship. And it, we never knew each other before. We didn't do a chemistry read. We didn't meet each other before we both were hired. And we had a, a meeting with the Kings prior to starting the first season where we had a discussion about our personal lives and things that we could use maybe in the show and how we saw these characters. And, and I trusted the Kings and I, and I try not to be that kind of guy like, oh, I need to find out who's going to be in it necessarily um, because I kind of trust the process of the casting. But when we when we got together, it was sort of like we knew that there, there was a really good energy and we had we had no real um, hang ups about like hierarchy or how we were going to like interact. And and there was just a really good friendship and freedom. And if anything, we have to sort of we have to play against our chemistry because our chemistry as we as we play and as we interact is, is so strong sometimes we have to then take it back because the characters aren't as far along as we are in life we we, we have a you know we have a very good you know humor we have a very good connection we, we have we have plenty of chemistry we just have to always kind of like dial it down in terms of in terms of connection because sometimes the connection on the camera is not we're not we, we gotta we gotta we gotta play the way the characters are are, are are not the way we are and that's and that's that's the fun part about it trying to find the right measure of, of fun to, to portray on screen. Dude, I love hearing you talk craft. You're so you're such a technician, and I it just it really does take me back to school. And I know some of that is stuff you've accomplished since. But I want to pivot, keeping things moving here. I want to do two things real quick. One, I'm sure you've had the day job. I'm sure you've had tons of weird jobs, yeah. a, as I have had. And I thought we could just do a little back and forth, and just quickly, you name a weird job you've had. I'll name one, and we just go back and forth a little bit. Absolutely. So, would you like to begin? Um, okay, are we starting from like the first jobs you've ever had? No, just like yeah, I, I will let you encompass your life. Out of your mom's house, post pre mom's house. Like, are we st- post post mom's house, post college? Okay, how about all right. that? All right, um, lawn aerator, X-ray file mover. 
Chief on Google. Mm. Um, pot washer. Telemarketer, two weeks. Oh, God. I, I, I've done that so many times. I'm not going to even use that one. Um, uh, uh, reader for the blind. Ooh. Um, bakery truck driver. Mm, bakery truck driver. Okay. Um, uh, group home. Um, group home. Uh, what do you call them? Uh, counselor for like group home for boys, you know, foster kids. A creative drama teacher for like weekend things at a theater camp. Um, uh, interior, interior designer, sorry, interior design, uh, material salesman. <laughs> Wait, you sold interior, interior design, design <laughs> materials salesman. I was going to say uh, barista. Barista. Ooh, I, I, that's a hard one. I never could do that one. That's pressure. Got to get it right. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, I and I even somehow worked my way up to store manager at Starbucks, and I started my I started getting into theater directing, and it started taking off, and I felt so bad. So I'm like, well, wait, I'm you could have taken off three years earlier. You no, know? you didn't. You did not. You did not feel. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Speaking before we got a subject, what, what's the coffee shop across from um, from from uh, Drayton Hall? Oh, I was trying to remember this. I forget it, but I know the coffee shop. Something vibes or blues or something. It was some. We'll, we'll think about it. It's got, I, I love that place. We just hang out there. Um, okay, let me think of another one. Uh, God, well, waiter, obviously. How many waiters? I would say so. You that is the job. That's the one job I, I've somehow avoided. I know in some ways it's like waiter, bartender, barista. There's kind of like that mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause there because I, I want to say uh, one of the dreams I think a lot of people have is to be successful at what they do mm-hmm. and um, buy and maybe have enough money to buy their parents a house. And I read that you not only bought your mom mama house, your mother a house, but you had one built for her. Can you just tell me about that a little bit? You know, it was it was something that really I wanted to do for a very long time, and you know, to sort of romanticize it a bit. When I was a young kid, I sit around and you know, spent a lot of time by myself because I was uh, the youngest and my mother, we were, she was older by that time. My my mom had me, she was 36 was back, which back then was sort of, that was a very, that was old, you know, like my my mom had me when I was 30 or she was 36 too. Oh, wow. So when they came to pick you up at school, they thought it was your grandmother. And so kids didn't understand because it wasn't that many of them at the time. Now it's like, that's consistent, especially in LA and New York, people wait so long after careers. Um, I wanted to build her home Because, you know, we grew up in a house that was the second option because what happened is the house they were building at the time, they had their, they had their own land. My mother's father had a pretty good um, amount of land in, in the town we grew up in, small town. So what they ended up doing was building a house sort of like really like in the same lot of land that was much less expensive, wasn't as big, and ultimately was just something to, you know, because that's just what they had left. So we had, a, I grew up in a, well, I, I would say it's a three-bedroom home. Uh, but it could have been, yeah, three bedroom home um, with with four kids, so two in each room, and then my parents, and then one bathroom, a little den, a small living room, a small kitchen. It was about, I would say, it was about eleven hundred, twelve hundred square feet, maybe, and it was pretty small. Um, looking back on it, I didn't know how small it was and how little you know space we had. But she was not the kind of mom that pushed me to do anything for her. She was always really happy about my success. She wanted me to make sure that I was taken care of first. But when I finally did get around to doing it, because you know, again. It was never a pressure. When I finally did get around to doing it, I basically built the house, a new house for her, right in the same spot where the old house would have been. Once it was built, she literally just walked over and moved in. <laughs> and then we just took the other house and moved it away. We 
literally moved the other house off the lot and, and like it was never there. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. And it was such a great feeling to sort of, you know, have her be able to move into the house because she spends most of her time at home and it's just nice to have her taken care of and to know that she has the proper insulation and that, and that she's, you know, got, you know, heating and cooling and, and, and appliances that are up to date and, and this a, a nice home, comfortable home to live in. The name of our podcast, Mike, is I'm So Obsessed. Um, but Coulter, what are you currently obsessed with? Um, I'm obsessed now with, I guess, um, a, bit, a bit of self-improvement, I think. I, I'm sort of looking at ways to sort of, you know, streamline my time and sort of make the most of the the, the opportunities that I have and sort of focus on things and stop getting distracted by a lot of things that I can't I can't really change. And I think that's my biggest um, my biggest hurdle now. Because I think as a, as a as an artist, sometimes we have bleeding hearts, and which is which is what makes us, you know, artists and create creators and wanting to to have the passion to pursue and to sort of tell stories. Um, but then in life, you sort of have to sort of focus sometimes and get things more efficient and and make the most of the time you have. And so I'm trying. I'm sort of catching up on reading. I'm, I'm I'm doing that. And so these passion projects that sometimes people send to me that I just don't get around to them. So it's always stuff that I'm sort of um, juggling. Okay, let's talk. Luke Cage, uh-huh. um, you first played the role on the series Jessica Jones on Netflix uh, before Luke Cage became its own series. Um, I, I really want to ask you about working with uh, Chihodari Coker, who created and oversaw the show Luke Cage for Netflix. What was that relationship between the two of you like, and how did that uh, work over over two, almost three seasons, but two seasons that we saw? Yeah. It was sort of a collaborative collaboration. Um, I, I hadn't known him. I hadn't known him before he started working together, and I remember having a phone call with him, and and then you know meeting him for uh, lunch in in L.A. to discuss what the what the idea was for the show. And he was so certain about the the, narr- the narrative that he wanted to tell, the story that he wanted to tell, the tone, the music, and he really talked about the music more more so than anything. And I think that's what sort of defined the show in terms of like what people remember from it. Um, it's a lot of things people remember from it, maybe, but I think mm-hmm. that kind of what what really resonated with a lot of people, the the the, the music, the 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 soundtrack. He brought in, you know, um, Adrian Young and um, Ali Ali Shahid Muhammad, uh, from uh, who you know from Tribe Called Quest. He's you know brought some real artists to 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 write the scores, and that was something that I don't think people had done really with something that was like, you know, a black superhero. No, but music was such a big thing. And not only the soundtrack, but also like you had like Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings perform. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You didn't have them perform, but Wu-Tang made appearances. It was just phenomenal. And I rewatched a couple episodes last week just to kind of get this back in my head for, for our, our talk today. But what I, I, I'm not, I'm, I could say this cause I'm not you and I don't work on the show. I'm biased clearly, but mm-hmm. I do think the show holds up better than maybe some of the other, um, the Netflix uh, Marvel shows. And it's not to put those shows down, but I think there's just things that were uh, maybe even more resonant now than they were at the time the show came out. And I have a feeling looking back years from now that that could continue on. For a lot of people, you are Luke Cage. You're going to mm-hmm. always be Luke Cage, just way like Mark Hamill's always going to be Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you come, how do you deal with the fact that you are Luke Cage for a lot of people, but you also want to show your range as an actor? I I'm I never looked at Luke Cage as an, as anything other than just another role. 
I, I just looked at it as it was a big as a role that had a magnificent amount of opportunity attached to it because of the exposure that it would bring. But ultimately, it was another role. So I knew that this was sort of like, you know, it's like it was never it was never going to be it wasn't my peak. It was just going to be something that was a journey, part of my journey. And so when I look at a role, I'm not thinking about anything else other than the character that I'm playing. And also what it does is it gives me fuel because I know that, you know, Luke Cage for me was like, when I think about the challenge of it, there was a challenge to it. There was a physical build, uh, thing about it. There was all that stuff that, that I had to work with. But, you know, there's so much more. There's so much more to do, you know. So um, that was fun. Love the action stuff. But now let's try something else. And maybe I'll come back and do some more action stuff again. Um, and that's how I look at it. It's just one of those, one of the, a, a color that I could show and that I could do. But by no means is it, you know, the the, the end all be all. And and that that I take that as a challenge because I love people when they go, well, you know, you're going to be, you look at, I'm like, that's fine. Think what you want to think. I'm, I got so much more to do. And so... It gives you some place to something, something to strive for. You know what I mean? Something to strive for. Okay, so you're from South Carolina. You played uh, Luke Cage. Uh, the late Chadwick Boseman is also from South Carolina and played Black Panther. Uh, what did his work mean to you? You know, Chadwick he was a guy that really was working at a pace that was sort of, you know, profound, you know, he was really just, and I look back at it now and I think maybe a lot of, a lot of what he was doing was racing against time and sort of doing as much as he could, you know, cause it felt like he was always coming out with something else new, something that he was just changing and trying to just, just continuing to keep his foot to the gas. Um, I commented when he passed away, it was like, he was like a shooting star. just sort of like, you know, just came through so fast and his legacy will be, you know, it will live on. And and, and um, it's just hard. It's hard to sort of understand someone in the prime of their life, you know, just gone. And, and, and it's not something that we can take lightly or take for granted. It just makes us think about the way we work and the way we do things and, and, and how the legacy and all just the life, family, all that stuff. It's just so much going on. Like, is this even important what we're doing? Does any of it matter? But I think in hindsight, when you look at it, it feels like, you know, whether he was thinking that or not, I think it was sort of, you know, everything he was doing is just like working at a breakneck pace to put in, put together a, 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 a presentation of what his life's work was. And so, you know, hope his family's at peace with it because it's just, it's, it's tough, it's tough. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I want to wrap up with a thing called pick one. I gave you a couple options. You pick one. It doesn't mean the thing you pick is better than the thing Uh you didn't, and I encourage you to talk it out. So the first one I have is Million Dollar Baby or The Good Wife. Pick one. Uh, I'm going to say Good Wife. Um, Million Dollar Baby was a great experience for me. Oscar-winning movie, you know, uh, best picture, best director, best actress, best supporting actor. Great movie. Um, I think best something else too, but, but what was, what I, why I say good wife is because good wife was a substantial situation for me in terms of giving me a, a platform that opened me up to a lot of different talented people who also were in good wife in New York, in New York city, everybody in that rotation of good wife, recurring roles and, 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 uh, series regs were established actors with credible careers. And I, I was the new kid in the block and I, and I look at it as a real, you know, journey for me in terms of like, it was a moment that really helped me to solidify myself as an actor. Okay. Next one I have is New York or LA pick one. 
if I now that I've been in LA for about ten years, I, I'm going to go New York because I've, I've I wouldn't say I've done my time in LA, but I, I like to be bi coastal. That was always my objective. Now that I've achieved being bi coastal, I like to split my time halfway between the two. But as I get older and I think about my family and connecting with my people in Europe and stuff like that, my my in laws, I, I like to go to New York now. Uh, next one I have is film, TV, or theater. Pick one. I know people love to say theater, but I'm going to say right now television. I, I know television. Television just has better scripts. It's just the writing's just different. I just like the writing. Writing's better for me. I'm just looking at that, and that's just the things that I I'm coming to contact with. People who are in terms of movies and films, people who are maybe getting more opportunities and scripts. Maybe there's things out there that I'm just not seeing. But I don't. When I see what's being celebrated and what's being brought to the forefront, I don't feel like it's 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 not you know stretching stretching at all. Yeah, like Tom Hanks has never been on a TV set. Well, besides Buzz and Buddies, right? What, no, what's he, he know about that? Working with his partners, um, Peter Scolari, he's he's yeah, on, like, he's on, he's on the evil. Yeah, say so he's on evil, and actually, I was gonna say evil's a great example because even though you, there are kind of show uh, characters who are more the lead characters, it really is ensemble, and you have that time to explore all those characters. Okay, here's the last one. This might be the yeah. most important question I ask you. Mm-hmm. So pick one: Riza, Jizza, Method Man, Raekwon, Master Killer, Ghostface Killer. Old Dirty Bastard, Capadonna, Inspector Deck, or You God. Pick one. I got to go with, it's hard because it's a tough one between Old Dirty and Meth, but I got to go with Meth. Meth's longevity, Meth's vocal deliverance, his ability to sort of like, he, he to me, he's my, he's in my, he's in my top 10. I know it's hard to say top five. I'm going to say top 10. Meth, Method Man. Okay. So last, I just want to say that um, if you ever need a person to be possessed on evil or someone who your character, David buys like a, like a cup of coffee from like, Hey, here's your coffee, David. How's the fighting demon business going? Yeah. I, I don't know why I went like Richard kind there, but uh, seriously, if you need someone to play a role in evil, don't hesitate to call me. That's all I'm going to say. All right, listen, you might have to fly yourself in, but I'll get you, I'll get you a gig. How's that? <laughs> we could probably work on that. No, but all seriously, Mike, before we wrap up, is there anything you want to clarify? Anything you want to go back, restate or anything you want to bring up that we didn't get to talk about? I guess I'd like to say that both of us meet from South Carolina. We had a great experience. And I think it, I always tell people my experience in South Carolina is not indicative of necessarily what the place is. So I always have to remember how I my experience versus what the experience is for other people. So I always have to think outside of myself and seeing you and talking to you. We always had a great relationship and great, great friendship. And our experience was sort of very unique, but also similar in a lot of ways. And I think us being from South Carolina, this is sort of what we would hope that a lot of people experience in, in, in most places. Um, but, but this just goes back to show you that it doesn't matter where you're from. So when you find genuine people, genuine people always, they're just, you know, friendships last. And I haven't seen you in freaking 20 years, but I, I don't, I know we have, you know, nothing's changed. Really. Nothing's changed. And I do look forward to the time we can actually sit across each other, maybe have one of those like oyster meals with the IPA that works for me. Yeah, so sounds good, man. I want to thank Mike for chatting with me, and I want to thank you for listening. You can watch new episodes of Evil Sundays on Paramount+. Plus. Please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. And if you really like this episode, please rate it. Until next time, take care.